Good morning, Mount Goldsboro. Yeah, yeah. I've been practicing and I failed miserably there. Good morning, Goldsboro. It is good to be home in the house. I used to come here. I used to be here with you guys. Yeah, yeah. I am excited. My name is Ivan Collins. For those of you who don't know me, uh, when they started sur- doing this church thing on Sunday in Goldsboro, I'm like, I'm in until they opened Mount Olive. And then I'm in Mount Olive because that's where I live. But I am really excited about being here. I'm actually the associate uh, to the campus pastor in, in Mount Olive. And uh, Pastor Ryan called me and said, dude, that group down there in Goldsboro, I need to take a break from. I need a day off. So um, he asked me if I would come and, and uh, bring the word this morning. And uh, I told him, of course, I would. I'd love to come back. Uh, funny story is I was supposed to do this a while ago, uh, back uh, probably several months ago. You guys may remember that uh, God had other plans that Sunday morning, uh, sent a hurricane uh, to keep me from preaching in Goldsboro that week. So uh, that was uh, scrapped, and uh, so I was very glad when Pastor Ryan called and said, Hey, man, can you fill in for me? Uh, I've got a lot going on. I'm moving and stuff. So just super excited uh, for the opportunity today to come and share with you this message. I was fortunate enough to already kind of be in this word, into this message. Um, Pastor Andrew also got tired and needed the break, so he let me preach the first sermon in this series in Mount Olive. So uh, I've already kind of been in this, and I'm like, yes, I get to come back home uh, to Goldsboro and excited about that, but uh, not to uh, to belabor that too much, but that's who I am. I'm super happy about being here, and hey, guys, We've been in this cool sermon series about chain reaction, right? Starting that chain reaction. And we're going to dive right in this morning. But, you know, we've been talking about different ways and different things that kind of added up all together. When you put them all in the same bucket and you, you stir it up, you're hoping to see something at the end, right? I mean, this equation that we've been talking about you guys all know these, these things, but high potency was the first one, right? We've got to have high potency, and if we add high potency with close proximity, and then we add the high potency, close proximity, and then we go ahead and add the clear communication, the result of that, or what that equals, we hope, is maximum impact. We looked at this book, The Contagious Christian, and we've, we've kind of used that formula to talk about getting the word out, right? We've talked about that. Today, we're going to be focusing in on that answer, the equals two part, the maximum impact. And what does that look like? What does that look like? Well, remember, you know, I, I kind of look at it this way. I think it's really about our job, right? We got to do a better job at our job as a Christ follower. And if this is your first Sunday, here with us. We are glad you're here first and foremost. But if you miss these other three parts, don't, don't feel bad because today you're going to have the answer to the questions, right? You're going to have the equals to. And that's what we hope. That, that equation will make itself known. And I encourage you, if you did miss the first three sermons of this, sermons of this series, I, I would hope that you would go back and look at those. <clears throat> but we are going to do something a little bit different this morning. And uh, you'll, you'll understand why here in a minute, but congratulations to every single one of you here in this room today. You all have applied for Chain Reaction Incorporated. 
you've all been hired, and the reason you were hired is because the special talents and gifts that you all bring to the table, that you were given these special gifts, each and every one of you. Today is our orientation class, and we are going to give you the tools to be successful here at Chain Reaction Incorporated. Our owner has made it very clear that this is a very, very important job. And today, I'm going to be speaking on his behalf. Our owner is out of town right now, but he will return soon. Amen. Let me tell you a little bit about the owner. He started this company over 2,000 years ago. Some of his closest friends wrote our handbook. It includes a lot of his best quotes, by the way. And you know what? He loves this company so much, and each employee of this company, he'd even die for him. The employee handbook is something you need to keep close by. Hopefully, you brought yours with you this morning, and we're going to reference this, but the good thing about this handbook is, is it has all of the answers in it. Amen? It wouldn't even hurt to memorize a few of the things in there if you, if you get, get a little extra time. But we're going to be referring to this handbook throughout the day this morning. I hope you have it with you. And if you do, you can go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 16, because that's where we're going to start our orientation this morning. Mark is in the New Testament. That's towards the back of the book. Uh, find Mark 16, and you're going to find our actual mission statement for Chain Reaction Incorporated. We will not be successful here at Chain Reaction Incorporated if we don't fully understand this mission statement. Our boss, Jesus, said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Sounds like we have a pretty important job to do. Sounds like our mission is pretty important. Sounds like it could be even a matter of life and death. Our mission statement is written in our handbook, along with the rules and regulations to follow. But we're not going to be spending too much time on the don'ts today. We want to spend most of our time on the do's, or the what to do in our handbook. One thing interesting to point out about Chain Reaction Incorporated is that unlike most other companies, everyone here is paid the same. And I got to tell you, the retirement package here is awesome. It lasts for eternity. Amen? Amen. We've had some fun with this this morning, guys. And uh, I hope you see, on a serious note, this is our job to do. We all take our, our jobs very seriously. And how seriously do we take our job as a Christian, our job as a Christ follower, what if we clearly understood the importance of our individual responsibilities as we do our worldly job, the job we go through Monday through Friday? I mean, think about how much time we spend in school to get an education, to earn a living, to get a job, to earn money, to support our families. Think about the effort that we put into our worldly job. I think sometimes we, we lose sight of our job as a Christ follower. 
I mean, think about it. When we get our job in the real world, in the world, you know, we're anxious to advance our career. We'll go extra school. We'll go extra training. We'll get extra training, get extra certifications so that we can grow in the company and in turn benefit the corporate world or the corporation that we're working for. This past week, I was had the pleasure <laughs> of spending... 30 hours in a corporate manager's meeting in Florida. Beautiful resort down there in Florida that I was staying at. It was at the Margaritaville Resort in Fort Lauderdale. Beautiful place. Never saw the outside at all. All I saw was the ballroom and the meeting rooms for 30 hours continuous of training. And I could not help the whole time I was sitting in this training and hearing this corporate you know, direction that they were wanting us to go. They were giving us all this information about how to be better at what we do, how to grow as a company, the right things to say, the right way to act. And I couldn't help but think about how that directly parallels with us as Christ followers. What is our job as a follower of Christ? The truth is we don't need anyone to encourage us to advance our career, do we? Does anybody just get a job and say, man, I don't ever want to do any more than this right here. Don't want to make any more money. It's okay if I make less money. Nobody does that. But I think sometimes we fall short in figuring out our mission as a Christ follower. In this series that we've been in, you know, we've talked a lot about what that looks like. We've talked about kind of our job and different ways that we can spread the good news. We said that we need a few things for impact to equal maximum, right? High potency, close proximity, clear communication. We need all those things. And I want to challenge everyone here today. I want to challenge you with this. What if we all got as excited about following Christ as we do about our job and our career? I mean, think about that for a minute. What would it look like? I mean... Think about the people that are closest to you, and think about a typical night out on the town. You and some friends, some family, you're having dinner together. Think about the conversations at that dinner table. What do they, what do they typically sound like? Weather's going to be the first thing you guys talk about. You'll think about this every time from now on. Weather is always the, the, the icebreaker, right? Oh, well, it's been really hot this last couple of days. Why did you guys catch a load of that fog this morning on your way uh, uh, into church this morning? I mean, that's, that's the first topic. But what else? What do we talk about? What is it we talk about? We talk about our jobs, right? We talk about our kids. We talk about school. We talk about us, don't we? That's what the conversation is. What would it look like? What would it look like if we changed that conversation? The fact is, most of us are very comfortable talking about us, but we really avoid topics that maybe we're unfamiliar with or maybe we're uncomfortable with. I shared this statistic in my, uh, the first message that I brought, and I just it has been on my heart since I found this statistic. It comes from the book Unchristian. Great read if you guys are into like um, you know, really deep st uh, statistics. Uh, it's a really neat book about Christian life, and it said... That 85% of non-believers know a Christian personally. 
people who don't follow Jesus, who don't attend church, 85% of them know somebody who is a Christ follower. Here's the part of, this, of the numbers that really hurt my heart. Really hurts my heart. 15, only 15% see lifestyle differences in their Christian friends. 15% see something different in their friends that are Christ followers. We need to get serious about our job. As a Christ follower, you know, we really need to rely on that handbook uh, to do it. So Jesus, the owner, he knew this. You know, our owner knew this. He said that we're going we're gonna to have a hard time understanding this. And so he gave us a real straightforward direction that we need to follow here at Chain Reaction Incorporated. Jesus used it a parable. A parable was a story that Jesus told. And what he did in this parable, something interesting to note with this parable that we're going to talk about, and it's the parable of the sower. Many of you have heard this story. But what he uses this, what he does differently here in this story is he actually gives us the interpretation of the parable. I've got to believe that the reason for that is that Jesus really wanted to make sure that we got it. He wanted to make sure that his disciples got it when he told them, and he wants us to make sure we get it today. The parable is found and recorded in all three. There's three gospels it's recorded in, but we're going to zero in on Mark. Uh, this morning, so get your handbooks out, turn your handbooks to uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 3 through 8. And I use the, the New International Version this morning, and I just love the way it starts, because the way it starts is the way I like to start a conversation that I want you to really understand. And Jesus says, listen, exclamation point, right? Do I have your attention? Listen up, Right? A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly, but because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell amongst thorns which grew up and choked the plants, and they did not bear grain. And still other feeds fell on good soil. It came up, it grew, and it produced some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. So Jesus tells this parable to his disciples. And I'm just wondering, you know, if Jesus looked at their faces and they're like, huh? No, they would have gotten this. Farming was a big, how many farmers do we have in the house? How many people have a garden? How about that? Anybody? Three, four, five. Okay, good. We got a few gardeners here. Me, not so much. When I need a tomato, I don't want to wait for that tomato to grow on the vine. I'm going to Publix or one of the grocery store food line, right? <clears throat> but let's look at these characters that Jesus is describing here in this parable. There's three of them. Three characters I want you guys to kind of think through with this parable. Number one, the farmer. Who is the farmer? That's us. Jesus is talking about us. He, he's given us a, a job to do. He's saying, you are the farmer. You are the farmer. The second one he's talking about is the seed. This represents the good news. Now, I got to tell you, for many years, I missed this one. I kind of felt like I was the seed instead of the sower. 
I found myself sitting out there in the church pew and going, Lord, feed me, water me, fertilize me. It's all about me. I missed it. I didn't realize I was the farmer. I didn't realize I was the one who should be spreading the seed. Our true responsibility is to sow the seed. And this is what Jesus is telling us in this this parable. The third part of the story, the third character of the story that we need to talk about, and we're going to dive into this piece, is the soil. The soil represents the hearts of those we love and are sharing this message with. There's four different types of soil, and Jesus is giving us a warning that even when we do our job as a farmer, we will face different types of people. We'll face different types of hearts. And just as a farmer wants to have a maximum harvest, we too should want this philosophy to flow through us and mean something to us that we want it to reach as many people as possible. In order to do that, I think there's two things that we really need to do well. Number one is we need to sow generously. You'll notice here in the story, the the parable, the farmer didn't just go to one type of soil. Jesus didn't say, hey, there's the good soil. I'm just going to spend my time over here on the good soil, and I'm going to make sure that all the stuff I plant in this good soil is going to grow. That wasn't how he described it. Jesus told us, said that the farmer spread his seed, and some of the seed fell on the path. Some of the seed fell on the other grounds. But he didn't go and pick the individual best part of soil. He didn't hang out with the people just at church and drop seeds in the laps of the people sitting next to you this morning. That wasn't the parable at all. If we look at our handbook, it's very clear. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it tells us, remember this. Again, I love the description there. It says, hey, guys, don't forget about this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get what? A small crop. But the one who plants generously gets a generous crop. Does a farmer expect every seed to produce? If you've ever grown anything, I can tell you that is not the case. But I'll tell you one thing that's a fact. A seed not planted will not produce. As I mentioned this past week, I was uh, at a corporate presentation in a large corporation, and uh, there was about 350 managers and executives in this meeting, and uh, they had a lady come up that was giving a presentation about corporate marketing, and great presentation, and I, at this stage of the day, I think it was right after lunch, so you know how it is after lunch, everybody's like, uh, I see a few of you out there that may have had a big breakfast this morning, just kidding, um, so I'm sitting, in this, I'm sitting in this corporate presentation, and this lady comes up, and she's from New York City, owns a big, huge marketing firm in New York City. And um, she came to the podium and asked a question. And I'm going to ask you guys this question this morning. She asked the question, how long does it take a consumer to form an opinion about your website? Any guesses? How long do you think it takes to form an opinion about a a website less than a minute I heard one second three seconds I got here that's good that's exactly what the response was from these 350 people corporate people in this room you know what the answer is it's gonna blow your mind 50 milliseconds 
50 milliseconds is what it takes for the average person to form an opinion about your website. This is the go or no go. This is where they look at it and go, ah, I got better things to do. Think about that for a second. 50 milliseconds, and they've already made their mind up. She had some other interesting facts. She said that people spend an average of 5.94 seconds on the company's main page of the website if in that 50 milliseconds they decide it's something that they're interested in. So think about that for a minute. Five, less than six seconds they're going to spend on that website, on the homepage of that website. This one I love. She said, a users expect a maximum load time of two seconds before getting impatient. Now, how many of you are old enough to remember dial-up? Yeah, you could go ahead and go get you a sandwich, you know, before something would happen. You push the button and, you know, the hourglass would start turning. But, man, we're in a different world now. We're in a different world now. We're busy, right? And we're not patient. We want things when? Now, right? We're looking for instant gratification. We want instant response to everything we come in contact with. This is real in the world, and it's real with the way we share the Word of God, the way we share and witness to people. It's the same thing. i got to tell you, people are not going to give you a real long time to get to the story. So what does that mean? What does that look like? It means that we really need to be practiced and understand that, hey, they're not going to give me long. But this is really important. This is really important, and I need you to hear it, because it's going to be the difference between life and death. We're impatient. The last note there that they put up was, was a credible statistic. It said that the slow-moving websites, which I would assume are more than that two-second load time, cost retailers $2.6 billion, with a B, dollars in lost sales each year. That's incredible. That is incredible. You may be wondering how this relates but I tell you, like I said, we're in a very fast-paced society, and I couldn't help but think, wow, wow. I mean, we're so consumed with our time and how precious our time is to us, we're not willing to give people much of a chance. And those that are non-believers are not going to give us much of a chance either. So we need to be ready, be prepared to share that message, to have that high potency, the clear communication, the close proximity, because we want to have maximum impact. Like I said, what's our most valuable possession? Time. Time, by far, is our most valuable possession, and it seems to be more valuable today than it's ever been. If we want maximum impact, we need to reach people where they are, and we need to focus on the message to be something we are willing to give them that they will give some thought to. We've got to take that opportunity. It may be a fleeting second. It may be 50 milliseconds before they decide whether or not they're interested. And if they are interested, they may only give you a very short period of time to get the information to them. How long of a conversation does a non-believer need to have before they form an opinion about you and about me as Christ followers. 
we really should consider this, folks. We really should consider this when we're talking to people about Jesus. The second thing we need to do, Jesus tells us this in, the, in that parable, is look, we're going to expect some obstacles, right? We can, plan on for, we can plan for it. Jesus goes on to tell us that some of these soils or the hearts of the people that we're sowing the seed to are going to be resistance to really growing anything. In Mark chapter 4, 13 through 20, I just love the way Jesus starts his parable, and, and I use the New Living Translation this morning, uh, but he just gets right to the point. This is the part where he's going to interpret the parable that we just, we just read. And in verse 13, he says, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, in other words, if you don't get this, how can you understand all the other parables? And then in verse 14, he gives it to us straight and tells us exactly what he's trying to tell us. In verse 14, he says, the farmer plants the seed by taking God's words to others. And then he starts describing the soils. And as I read through this, I want you to think about your heart, your heart this morning and the hearts of those around you, the people you love. I want you to think about them as we describe these different four different types of soil. He said, the seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message. They hear it. They give you that 50, seconds, 50 milliseconds of time, right? They hear the message only to have Satan come in at once and take it away that's the hardened heart but notice Jesus doesn't say avoid planting on this type of ground he doesn't say hey don't bother throwing your seed over that way does he no he says sow the seed the farmer was sowing the seed and seed fell on the hard ground the path the footpath the second, we go on to verse 16, the seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. That means we got through to them. Awesome. But since they don't have deep roots, what happens? They don't last long. They don't have any roots that are deeply planted so that when the sun comes out and the heat's turned up, they wither. He goes on to say, some of the seed fell among the thorns, which represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. And no fruit is produced. This is the one that I can relate most to. I got to be honest with you. And maybe you guys relate to it as well, but the part that gets me in this is that the, the seed starts to grow. It produces something. And you think, wow, it's growing. I think how it relates to us as Christ's followers, you know, if you look at my yard as an example, I mean, my yard is green. looks good until you look close, right? And a lot of weeds in that grass, right? You know what I'm saying? But it's growing. It looks, some, it looks like something. Many churches find this to be true. A lot of people. It's great. But what does it tell us about it? It tells us that when all these other influences on life come in, it looks like a crop. It grows like a crop. But it doesn't produce anything. I pray that this is not my heart. I pray it's not your heart. But notice that 
The plant didn't die. It grew. But even if the plant grows, when it doesn't produce a crop, it kind of makes it useless. Lastly, Jesus tells us, and some seed fell on the good soil, which represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much been planted. That's the law of the harvest. That's the law of the harvest. This morning, I brought with me an ear of corn for some city folks. They may not understand this, and there's not a whole lot of farmers in the house, but... You guys know what grows this? You know what the seed looks like? It's one kernel of this. Once it's planted, it's sown out into the grounds. The harvest produces lots of them. And I think we need to think through this. It's the law of the harvest. What is the law of the harvest? You reap what you so, the law of the harvest also says you can only harvest what you plant. Hello, if I'm wanting to plant watermelon and eat watermelon, I'm not going to plant a corn seed. Amen? <laughs> it's not going to work out good for me. The other thing about the law of the harvest is we can count on this. This is why I go to Food Lion. You can count on this. But the harvest always comes when? Later. It doesn't happen right away. The third thing that it always it, it is true about the law of the harvest, and you hope it is, and the farmers in the house would say, that's what they pray for, is that that harvest is always greater than what we planted. If we planted one kernel of corn, and we had to plant each one produced another kernel of corn, we're going to have to plant a lot of corn in order to get a, an ear of corn, Right? We hope that this one, one piece of corn will produce many pieces of corn. So it's always greater. That's the law of the harvest. So we said a couple things, and I want to follow up with you guys on this. I want to circle back around. Two things we need to do. Number one, we need to sow generously, right? We need to get the seed out. We need to get it out of our pockets and stop holding on to it and thinking, man, maybe this will produce something someday in my pocket, this seed in my pocket. We need to expect obstacles. There's things that we're going to run into. There's hearts that we may not really understand. Sounds pretty simple, right? Sounds pretty simple. How do we have maximum impact? How do we have maximum impact? I want to ask you guys a question this morning. I want you to think about this. Who in my life right now doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? Ask yourself that question. Who in my life right now does not have a relationship with Jesus? Maybe it's you. Maybe you came in here this morning and thought, man, I don't know about this church stuff, man. I don't know about all this Jesus stuff. I know Easter's coming up, and there's been people asking me to come to church, and I decided to come this morning. Maybe that's you. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. Think about that this morning. I think we need to really focus on our fields. We're the farmers, right? Jesus tells us we're the farmers. But I think too many times we focus on everyone else's fields and we think, you know what, those other fields out there, 
they're bigger than mine. Pastor Ryan's field is a big, huge field, and he gets to plant, and a lot of people come to Jesus because they hear Pastor Ryan, and I don't need to worry about my little field. My little field doesn't really matter. What if a farmer decided that that, hey man, I planted stuff out there, I threw the seed out, and you know what, nothing's coming up. It was, it's been a couple days, I don't see anything. I'm just going to plow it under, forget it. What if a farmer felt that way? What if they thought, man, you know what, it's just not my job. It's not my job to, to worry about planting. I'm here to tell you that we all have fields in our lives. We all have fields in our lives, and each one of them are going to have all those four different types of soil. We're going to have some that's really, really good ground. And we're going to have some that's really rough ground. And we're going to have some that's thorny ground. And we're going to have some that it hits the path and bounces around, and the birds come and take the seed away. We need to plant our fields. We need to talk to the boss, the boss for Chain Reaction Incorporated. You know, we need to talk to him. And we need to ask for him to guide us and focus our intentions on our words, on our actions. We need to pray about it. Next Saturday is an awesome opportunity, guys. We're coming together as a church body, a body of believers. And it's not just here in Goldsboro, but it's in Princeton and it's in Mount Olive. And we're going to come together for all day to pray. And it's powerful. It's powerful. You need to write these names down. We talked about the board, putting names on this board that, that need Jesus in their lives. They need a relationship with Jesus. And I tell you, there's something super powerful about intentionality and writing the name of someone that you know doesn't have Jesus in their life. That's powerful. And we as a church body are going to pray for those people. And I encourage you to get the courage and the boldness to say, hey, let me tell you about what God's done in my life. Because guess what? Nobody can dispute your story. Nobody can dispute your story. Don't worry about having all the right things to say. Don't be afraid about not having a seminary in your background. Not being able to recite our entire handbook or the Bible, right? Don't worry about that. What we need to focus on is let God work through us. Tell your story. Plant your field. Don't worry about Pastor Ryan's field. Don't worry about Pastor Jim's field. They've got their own fields to worry about. But each one of us in this room have a field to plant. We need to plant it. Bottom line is we need to realize that we all have a job to do. We are farmers. And not all of our fields are the same. The biggest thing we need to remember is that we cannot germinate that seed. Amen? It's not for us to germinate the seed. What was our job? Our job is to spread the seed, right? we got to get the word out. we got to pray that Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is going to penetrate deep into those hearts and start that germination, start that seed to grow. Remember, guys, a seed not sown will not produce a harvest. So sow generously. Get the seed out there. Don't hold on to it so generously and expect obstacles expect those things to not work out all the time not that every harvest every seed i throw is not going to grow but i'm going to keep sowing them 
That's what maximum impact looks like. That's what it really looks like. When we can get all of those seeds out of our hands and sow them and pour ourselves out into our friends and our family and plant our field. Not worry about everybody else's field. Plant our field. It won't always be comfortable. And any farmer will tell you this, it's not easy. <laughs> it's hard work. But if we stay in the Word and we pray for God to give us the opportunities, i got to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to warn you right now because it's happened to me. Through this sermon series, it's happened to me. I've prayed for God to give me opportunities. I work in the secular world. I work in a corporate world environment. And I, the last several weeks, I've had several people, several people come to me. And they knew I was going to preach. And it opened a door. It opened that door to say, hey, man, how would it go Sunday? And guess what? I told them. It's awesome. Let me tell you what God's doing in my life. That's my story. And I can tell people. I, 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 as soon as I prayed about it, God's just putting people in front of me all the time. It's amazing. So I want to warn you, careful. You pray for it. God's going to put people in front of you that want to hear it. They want to hear your story. And I pray that you'll have the courage to share that with them. And guys, when it's time to retire here at Chain Reaction Incorporated, and guess what? We're all going to retire someday. I don't know about you, but I want to hear, well done. Well done. At the end of the day, that's what I want to hear is well done. Good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for giving us all a field. Thank you, God, for allowing me to be the farmer. Thank you, God, for, for giving us the opportunity to, to serve you and to know you. That we don't have to, we don't have to rely on anyone else to be in your presence because your presence is here among us today. Lord, I pray that each and every person here today will, will take a look at their field and, and, and look at the people around them, the folks that are close to them. Lord, I ask that they will look into their hearts. They'll write those names down. Lord, I ask that they will they'll have the courage and the boldness to tell them about you. To tell them about your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died for each and every one of us here on this world. We just, Lord, we lift your name up this morning, Lord. We just, we praise you today. God, I ask that each and every person carries this message with them. Lord, I hope and my prayer is that my words have been your words today and that the hearts of those who have heard me are open to receiving it. I pray that we take this church outside of this building, Lord. I pray that we take the message, the commission that you told us to take. I pray that you take it and that we take it with a boldness outside of these walls. And we sow the seeds into our fields. God, we are so grateful for the opportunity to come and praise you. And we just lift you up this this morning, Lord, I ask that you stay with each and every person as they leave these, this place. And most of all, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on that cross for us. And it's in his name that we all say, amen.